0: life life is a theme in poems but today let it be the perforated paper carrying a letter to mathematicians they are gods who have life's meaning on their tongues and whenever they leave their jaws loose answers fly like birds carrying square roots on their wings and i am a seeker whose tongue is flattened into a question paper finding solution to how we became ashes mixed with those on the land that bred us. They opened the paper and found my question. How do plus and minus happen to life at the same time if square root mother plus square root father is equal to me and life minus friend square times two third in bracket is equal to X. Find X.
1: E-ling is solved. This poem is a lamentation of you. When your dreams fell into seduction, you were cleaning your father's house while your mother was at the market. A dark room, half opened, that was where your aunt was, trying to take off a blouse. She cried for help like you would cry for milk. You had pity to be a helper. A nod in your trouser, she saw it. She had always wanted to capture your heart like a sleeve that night you became a knight in shining pleasure she made a window in your trouser she stole your matchstick oiled it and set it on fire in between her thick ties A vows to feed you with juices mothered your pleas right before your bloodshot eyes sunrise and sunset in your dreams nights of burnt ashes 20 years a middleman between you and age seven you've made a door in your trouser your bed a guest house for koga seeking fun. Your matchstick is now a pestle, pounding its way in between the ties of every woman that visits. Obsessed, searching for that old that will set you on fire again, like your first. Thinking what bets a man will surely nurture a man. An endless line.
2: Karen. There is a woman that creeps up inside my brain and tangles her beautiful long white spider legs around my weaknesses when it's late at night and I'm alone with the sounds of the cars driving by the main avenue. We don't talk anymore, but I still remember her way of pronouncing certain words, the O's, the R's, the L's, her pauses between sentences so much you could read a book with her voice following every phrase, every word, with perfect accuracy, pounding unrelentingly like the bells of an old colonial church, pouring in like good wine into the cup of a dying man in the times of the Black Death. She's the meowing of a cat outside in the distance at three in the morning when I can't sleep, the sound of footsteps in the hallways that never arrive at my door, the dried-up ink in the letters I wrote her but will never reach her hands. She's the empty silhouette of a hat press against my pillow tonight.
3: Door stop. My dog lies like a slug outside the screen door, pondering. He's fixin' to eat breakfast. He's going to catch him a rabbit, the big one out by the garden patch. He stretches and looks at his watch, thinks better of it, rolls over on his back, the rabbit fading out of memory, eventually sequestered in the closet, A pinhead eternity. All this excitement coming before noon, Buttoned away, not so much as a woof of his own, Ignominious, slouching back to puppy reality, Still blocking the doorway. In Limbo. Windows like eyes into the departed. Cracks in the glass retain the wrinkles of veins, And the spiders at work making their gauzy veils. A breeze wanders in and out.
0: Echo of infinity.
4: The Butcher's Wife by Peter Caffrey On frosty mornings she'd pull me into her marital bed and I'd settle between the crisp white cotton sheets which still emanated a degree of warmth from her husband's flesh. Those first few seconds as we lay together underlined the illicit nature of our liaisons, my naked body in another man's place, my skin against the skin of his wife his sacred sanctuary violated by my presence. I enjoyed the thrill of being there, of sullying his most special and private retreat. It was as if I could feel his as-yet-unvented outrage at the deception, the bedding transmitting a small taste of the smouldering anger he'd feel if he knew what was going on behind his back. The heat and scent slumbering in those sheets was accusatory, It was as if its sole purpose for lingering long after his mortal meat had hauled his troubled soul off the market was to make a point to me and others. There had to be others. A cacophony of cheats sneaking in to satisfy her desires. They could come and go, but market time was mine and mine alone.
3: Enough to Last the Week by D. M. Kerr
4: Read by the author
3: The downstairs of Jadine's townhouse remained dark. She was still upstairs. Even if she did come down now, Ben Dusselman figured, she'd still have to grab her coat and do those last-minute womanly things. They were definitely not going to make it to the theatre on time. Dank, clammy November air seeped through the body of Ben's car. The day's light had faded in the way that light always fades this time of year. Too tired, too weak, it had slid away to the southwest sometime in the afternoon leaving the town in a huge malaise of gloom. Fifteen minutes, Ben thought, with a glance at his watch. If he left right now, chirping his tires as a Philip to Jadine, he could just make the theatre. But, instead, he sighed and stuffed his hands deeper in his coat pockets. The breath from his sigh condensed on his windshield.
5: Justice by Don Stahl Ian knew about the forthcoming royal wedding, but he would never wondered if Sarah Ferguson would be invited. His Egyptian neighbor, Khadija, explained that Ferguson had told Oprah she blamed herself for being snubbed. On a night when her second husband, Fuad, stayed inside to watch soccer with their son, telling Ian about poor Sarah Ferguson and other details of the royal wedding reminded Khadija of her own married life. In the courtyard of their building, Khadija sat in an iron chair. It would have burned her flesh during the day. Ian, facing her, inhaled her spiced perfume and kitchen smells. Khadija had identified the problem with her first marriage after learning from Oprah and a highly intelligent guest that men cheat because they're weak.